Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the Super Show podcast. It's episode number 185, and it is your one-stop shop, your favorite podcast that covers all things gaming. And on that note, we are going to be discussing a really big, really hairy abomination that nobody really appears to like. But enough about me. Um, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Mr. Alex Jones, who didn't laugh at what might be the joke of the podcast inside the first 30 seconds. I did laugh. I just didn't do a. <laughs> I, I, I heard. I, I heard nothing. I this did. is an audio product for a good number of people, Josie. If you don't, if they don't hear you laughing. How do they know you're laughing? I did my presenter laugh, which is where you laugh but you don't make a sound, so you don't put off the flow of the presenter. Mm. My apologies. No, you are correct. We're going to be talking about uh, Skull Island: The Rise of Kong, um, which I must admit I didn't. It wasn't even on my radar until uh, some of our patrons were chatting about it in the Discord and saying about how terrible it looked. Um, and then yeah, so it's and it's now it's our lead story because it's so <laughs> trash. <laughs> and personally, I'm all for it because this just takes me back to the golden era of quickly made, poorly made, you know, big licensed tie-in games that only exist because they could somehow were able to convince someone in a suit who didn't really know what they were doing to let them put the name Kong on the box. Um, again, it takes me back to like the golden era of THQ and publishers that don't exist anymore, often for very good reasons, um, R.I.P. Um, but that's not all we're going to be talking about, Jonesy. We're going to be talking a little bit about El Hombre Araña, um, which I found out prior to this podcast's beginning, is Spanish for Spider-Man. Uh, we're not going to uh, retrace too many of our steps from last week's episode, but of course we have now played, I'm guessing, a good chunk of that game. Um, I don't I've want to speak for you. Minutes. Hey, he's played at least 10 minutes. I've played at least 10 hours. Between the two of us, we'll offer some opinions as well as offering um, a couple of new stories that have popped up over the course of that game's first week on release. And we're all also going to round things out, hopefully, should we have the time, by talking about a, a game that probably doesn't exist, but Josie is going to try and convince us it does in the form of Squadron 42, that Star Citizen's long-awaited standalone single-player campaign. And we may be even talking about some rumours Probably not confirmed rumours. Uh, I know Chris, if he were here, would be vigilant about that. So just rumours, but that supposedly are outlining some of these story details, plot points, maybe even gameplay details for Far Cry 7. And I thought I'd pick that one out, Jonesy, just because it sounds like that series could be going in an interesting new direction. I don't know how you feel about that. As someone who I just learned hasn't finished any of the last four Far Cry games, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, the last three. Yeah, four, five, and six. I haven't finished. Ah, oh, but I'm going to throw a curveball in there. Uh, the, you also didn't even play uh, the the one that came out. What came out before five and six? Primal? No, the, Pri Primal two, was the two women one. Yeah, the two the two women one. Was that even called? New Dawn? New Dawn. I did play New Dawn. I played that. Oh, you did. Uh, uh, I think I streamed it with someone. I think I streamed some with Steph back in the day maybe even oh geez um but no i didn't i didn't finish that either but if you want to include that that's but then i also didn't finish primal um so i mean i haven't finished the last five and do you know what okay this is at this is terrible because it was such a good game i didn't even finish blood dragon because i got to the point where you walk through the door and it says if you go through this door you can't come back be warned and i was like i don't want to stop playing yet and we already had this discussion i'm one of these people that I get regularly get to like the last ten percent of a game, and then I don't want to finish the game because I'm having such a blast. And then like a couple of weeks go by, I've done a few more side quests, and then I just never finish the game. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, with a lot of Far Cry. It is. Games. 
the curse, the plague of the completionist. Um, how are you going to actually make any progress in, progression in the story if you have other icons popping up on the map along the way? Um, I've got a funny feeling that may or may not um, be included in uh, any discussions we do have around Spider-Man 2. Um, but all of that and more are still to come on this week's episode. And a reminder that if you do ever want to join in and watch us live, as I've heard already some good folks are, then you can head over to our YouTube channel. The handle, I guess, is at SuperShowPod. We're live on Monday evenings here in the UK almost every week. Um, and yes, you can continue to watch it on YouTube after the fact or catch it on podcasting platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. But I think, Jonesy, the live stream is the only place where you can join in the live chat and tell us that we're wrong in real time, which we often are. Absolutely, we often are. Also, they give they give me little tidbits of information that I find useful because often I get stuff wrong. Um, and so it's my little, uh, it's like a stream of consciousness, which is smarter than my own. I can check every now and then as we're chatting away. But I'd like to give a shout out to some people that are joining us right now in the live stream. I'm talking Miami Sunrise, Magni, Rodrigo, Classy Cat, Al Ashley, Shell Shock and Joel are all joining us in the chat uh, hello, everybody. Um, lovely to have you. Let me clarify as well. I was joking about Spider-Man. I've played at least... Oh, I've played 35%. So I don't okay. know how much that is. Probably like seven hours, something like that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I'm a bit of a side quest doer, though, as I said, though. So I don't know if that... Oh, no, of course, that, that percentage will include the side quest, so I'd imagine, I guess. So. I think so, yeah, because that's the percentage it shows you when you're loading back into the game and you're essentially picking which save file or which save slot you want to jump back into. So yeah, I think that is an overall percentage completion because mine is hovering around the 50% mark right now. But according to the mission log section of the game, I think I've done closer to two thirds of the total main story missions. Right. Um, but yes, um, more on Spider-Man uh, to come uh, for all the uh, spoiler-free, I should say, discussion uh, anyone might have felt like they were missing out on last week, all still to come. But before Jonesy, we get stuck into, um, I'm trying to think of a good little segue here. I don't know. Uh, uh, mm. The King of the Spiders. Ooh, who's the King of the Spiders? There are two, there are two spiders. Spider-Man. They're both, but then that's the weird thing about Spider-Man is that they're both called Spider-Man. And on top of that, as I very quickly learned playing Spider-Man 2 this week, both Spider-Men refer to the other Spider-Man as Spider-Man. So they'll be in combat and they'll be like, I'm on your right, Spider-Man. It's like... But, uh, okay. I thought they had made a mistake in the subtitles because it had Spider-Man and it was Miles talking. And then I suddenly was like, of course, they can't call him Miles because then everyone would know who Miles Morales yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Although, yeah. again, they do do that sometimes because it feels like the Spider-Men have never been a, a more relaxed about who they let know who they really are and how often they just stand around on rooftops without their masks on. Annoys um, me. Actually annoys me how often they do that. Like, I'm like, you're supposed to be... And Miles just, like you said, Miles just tells everyone. Peter's a little bit more careful, but he, he is rogue in this one. But yeah, Miles just chat. Like anyone he meets, he's just like, oh, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, you do get it. But then again, we're technically... Uh, you know, a, a, a skip hop and a jump away from a world where you know Clark Kent takes off a pair of sun, uh, glasses <laughs> and becomes Superman. So we can't nitpick too much. Maybe. Um, what we can nitpick, though, Jonesy, is when games are so bad that even the dreaded 7 out of 10 from IGN curse <laughs> appears to evade them and they drop all the way down to a fucking 3 out of 10. And that's exactly what happened to Skull Island Rise of Kong, a game which 
seemingly came out of nowhere. No one was really talking about it. Even its own developer, Iguana B, and the game's publisher, Gamble Entertainment, have been completely silent on social media platforms about the game's release. But it did come out last week. Um, and I think part of the reason this even got reviewed by major outlets, Jonesy, is because of how quickly social media realized this game looked like hot trash. Anyone that's seen a tweet or any kind of post that's got even an image, let alone a video from this title inside the last seven days, will be well aware of the fact that, I mean, as our thumbnail suggests, we thought things couldn't drop much lower than Lord of the Rings Gollum, as far as 2023 was concerned. Um, it, Gollum may well have met his match. Uh, how much of this game have, have you seen for you, uh, with your own eyes thus far? Uh, I've only seen um, the trailer before it came out. Uh, and I've seen a couple of uh, screenshots of it. Um, I, I must because okay, so I I think I even made the joke that uh, in the Discord that the reason they do so many quick cuts in the trailer is because they don't want you to linger on any one shot long enough to see just how bad it is. Um, I, I I must I was kind of hoping that it might be a case of it looks terrible, but maybe it plays okay. But yeah, if right. refuse anything to go by, no, that's unfortunately not the case. Yeah regrettably because i know what you mean sometimes you see even a kind of but rough looking third person action game and you think to yourself well even if it's just one of those games where i'm gonna mash square for four hours and punch people in their head right really fucking hard if they make the punching in the head part feel good that i might have a like a good enough time not to justify the you know the cost of entry but at least to make it a possible game but regrettably yeah it feels like that's uh not the case here it's also that we make the joke often that we're in the day and age of Unreal Engine 5 where it's it's a shame that people can make games look so good because you get tricked so easily. <laughs> so to make a game that looks this bad, there was a little part of me that said to, that said to myself, well, hold on, it looks bad because they've actually made a good, maybe they're trying to make a decent game and they're more relying on the mechanics and the gameplay. And yeah, just like a fun game, not like a very, very good like AAA game, but just like a fun B game or something like that. But no, it seems that apparently they've not even managed that. It's just well, bad all around. Yeah, it, it is an interesting point. I guess it comes down to that weird thing of like, uh, you know, the, the the capability of things like Unreal Engine 5 are making it incredibly easy to make good-looking things that look like they might be games, but they're actually just you downloaded a, a, a model from a certain, you know, web store and made it fly around in a way that vaguely looks Superman-esque and then put it inside that Matrix Awakens demo and told everyone you'd made a Superman <laughs> yeah. game when you haven't made a Superman game. When the reality is actually making a open-and-shut video game, uh, a lot more complicated still, um, this one, as we mentioned already, came from Iguanabee. They're actually a small studio based in Chile, of all places, Jonesy. Um, and they've developed, in the past, a party game called Head Snatchers and also a third-person shooter um, called G.I. Joe Operation Blackout. So they do have some history with working with, you know, fairly, fairly prominent IPs, fairly prominent licenses in the past. Um, and although Kong, uh, Rise of Kong, excuse me, is priced at $40 or £35 here in the UK, it's, as we said, raising eyebrows for everything from graphics, gameplay, animations. I pulled out, um, as someone who hasn't played it, Jonesy, a couple of quotes from people who have. Um, nice. I don't know if you want to hear some specifics on what might be going wrong. Um, yeah, apparently, of course I do. <laughs> we got, I want to know. Yourself. Movement is awful, with Kong bouncing off the scenery, failed to, failing to make contact with ledges, and jumping around as though he was weightless. Combat consists of spamming a single button in the direction of an enemy and making contact with them. Again, I could think of some other games that that kind of can describe, but oh well. Uh, Cutscenes are flat out bizarre and almost devoid of animations. 
Almost every environment Kong enters is empty, barren, and bland, and in one scene, we see the player running around for 30 seconds and seeing essentially nothing following a sequence of jumping between rocks and inexplicably falling off them. There are also weird things where, like, cutscenes where it feels like, I don't know if the model wasn't finished or an animation wasn't finished, but some part of it gets briefly replaced by just a still image of a dinosaur, and all these horrible close-ups of Kong doing um, really uncomfortable-looking reaction faces like he was posing for a thumbnail. Which I guess he was for our purposes, um, but surely uh, this um, is this is just Gollum all over again. This is you've somehow got a license. You've realised that buying the license meant you've got no money left to make a game, and so you've done the as what you can do with the time, money, and expertise you have, and then you've just hoped that the name will sell enough copies that you turn a profit. I think that's that's. I mean. Big. You kind of hit the nail on the head, Jonesy, because uh, so Iguana Bee have actually gone out there and done some interviews almost to defend themselves. Well, actually, I should clarify, it was anonymous, an anonymous developer from Iguana Bee who's been speaking right. to The Verge. Um, and they are suggesting that, again, as you kind of pointed out, a lot of the blame might fall on the publisher, Game and Entertainment. Um, this is a direct quote. The development process of this game was started in June of last year that was aimed to end on June 2nd of this year. So a one-year development wow. process. Um, and in total, around 20 people started from scratch to create the game, uh, which, as The Verge points out, is a task that would be challenging. But even in the most seasoned of developers, uh, you know, big license or not, you know, 20 people being given 12 months to make a game, that uh, again you could scale it in the scope obviously has some impact on the extent to which it is a disaster but that goes somewhere at least to explaining uh just why this went as wrong as it did um and if that is all true and i mean i'll be honest it sounds very believable just based on the product we got then yeah then the actions of game mill entertainment may well be somewhat to blame or at least if at least if not to blame then they offer an explanation as to how we ended up here right yeah, no, no, it's yeah, it's, it's very obvious and unfortunate. It's and it's got to be because where Godzilla, Kong, you know, all the monster stuff at the moment is in. Yeah, sort of, it's a, in a very good position to sort of get tie-ins and stuff. So you've got to imagine that it's it's yeah, it's a complete cash grab. Unfortunately, I guess then the two questions I have on my mind then, Josie, and I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll put them to you, but I don't know if the answers are even that easy to to kind of to pull out of thin air. But one. Why are the people who hold the rights to these licenses or these IPs being either drawn? I was about to say tricked into these agreements. Let's just say drawn into these agreements, where you know, as you said, there is a lot going on with the with the Kong IP at the moment. It feels like the recent movies and the Godzilla tie-ins have kind of turned feelings around a little bit. Not that Kong sentiment was ever that bad. Um, you know, there's that TV show based on that kind of Kong Godzilla universe uh, that's I think debuting pretty soon. If you had the rights to it, unless there's some weird thing where the video game rights are owned by someone completely separate and it's all just, you know, a bunch of, you know, suits making money and signing bad deals, why would you say, oh yeah, there's a Chilean developer called Iguana B who made G.I. Joe Operation Blackout, we're going to give them 12 months to make a game with your license, sign across the dotted line, like, why why do that? Because the, the, the offer can't be huge. I think it's because they have no intention of making a big budget game and then someone comes along and says the right things to them this this to me is like the high level business stuff is where you get business people with business people that are not creatives and someone says were well, you thinking of making a game 
like a tie-in game for any of this stuff and they go like no you know we don't have the the, the marketing whatever the budget to do that and they go like, oh man i could do it for two million dollars and they go what you couldn't like yep how would you want it in a year i can do it in a year and they go look we've made this game and that game and you get someone who hasn't looked at a game since 1983 uh like looks at gi joe the game that you've made and says oh okay the kids will love it and in reality i think you know it's it's people that don't really know an industry just thinking yeah the yeah that sounds fine and then yeah that's i think that happens a lot though to be honest with a lot of these tie-in things is that it's it's like a second thought or it's a bat it's something in the background it's kind of a it's a oh sure it's not really costing us anything it's just part of these marketing spend so that's what i think it yeah, so, probably comes down to and maybe developers like iguana be feeling forced or under some kind of pressure giving you know the the nature of the industry at the moment to agree to unrealistic things like uh, agree to developing games for like less money than they'd ideally like to have uh, uh, spent on it for less time than they'd ideally liked because you know if you're offered let's say a couple of million dollars whatever it was over the course of a year you know that could be the difference of another year of being able to pay your staff or shutting up shop if there aren't any other jobs coming in so maybe there are small developers who feel more pressure than ever to take these unrealistic and almost impossible deals um, because it saves their studios. I don't know. Yeah, um, um, very, you, you may well find that, yeah, in a lot of these cases where they do it, they use the money to finish another game that they, that they actually wanted to, you know, put t- more time and effort into. I wonder if that happens a lot. And they sort of skim some of the budget from that to keep people on, you know, in their jobs and things. It's very possible. Be interesting yeah. to see if um, Iguana B or the people who, I was going to say the developers of um, Golem aren't doing anything else, are they now? They're just publishing. But yeah, we'll have to see if anything else comes out of Iguana B well, in the near future. That's the interesting we thing. Like we, 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 we've joked before about how kind of the market for really, you know, poorly rated B games based on, you know, high profile licenses dried up massively because there were a lot of developers and publishers that seemed to rely on the revenue that came from that market almost entirely especially around the like the mid noughties thinking about how many times the ps2 felt like it was flooded like every major movie every blockbuster movie had a really bad video game tie-in and then they kind of died because it felt like consumers got more savvy with it you know making games got more expensive and took longer and and it was just kind of it was a you know it was a it was it was basically it was on his last legs already and it was waiting for something to push it over the edge and eventually that happened and entire publishers disappeared it's tempting to say the more games like this that we see that it's coming back but then as you pointed out daedalic had such a bad experience that they've gone entirely into publishing we don't know what the future looks like for iguana b and for for game mill there was the weird stuff with thq nordic where they started to bring back some of their kind of more famous licensed sort of series and i know they were dipping back into the spongebob pool for a little while there but but again that now gets messed up with all the embracer stuff and i don't know what the future looks like there so is it back or is it people hoping it was back and it's not yeah exactly it's a it's it's just a complete mess i there is a little part of me which wonders also with these sorts of things is are they playing it almost in the way that um is it is it Blumhouse? I think do it whereby you spend a, a very small amount of money on a lot of different things, hoping that one will hit. So in the sense of like yeah. you 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 manage to get a big streamer who says, "Oh, look at this game! Is you know it looks really jank, but it's actually kind of fun." And then you get a load of people buy a game off the back of it, and so they make you know they they do minimum spend, but then they actually get a decent amount of um, return. Uh, I do wonder if sometimes that is part of the process that these publishers have um, when thinking about budgets for games. 
But then with video games, it's just not the same deal, right? Like if you just don't put the money in, you you don't really get the you don't really get um a game that gets made for a little amount of money and happens to become a cult classic because like this as you've said you just get a bad game you get a game with nothing happening with still images instead of cutscenes you get a game yeah. with like bad collision uh yeah, and physics and there's no, you can't get away with that like no one's gonna go yeah but the story's fantastic like it's not gonna happen is it so I know, but I'm I'm looking at the the website now for Game Mill Entertainment. I think you might be right about kind of the way in which they operate and how they kind of hedge their bets. Um, because when you look at what they uh, write about themselves on the about page of their website, the first bulletproof of what they consider their quote unquote core offering is savvy licensing. We've partnered with some of the world's biggest brands, including Nickelodeon, Disney, PGA Tour, Universal Studios, Sony, Cartoon Network, and more, turning great IP into great entertainment for console and mobile gamers worldwide. Right. But then you look at like the games they've actually made, and it's like, well, to be fair, apparently they were involved with like Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, which I don't think people hated. Same with Cruise and Blast. But then elsewhere, there's Nerf Legends. I remember based on like Nerf guns, yeah. you know, the Nerf like. So I remember that being really bad like american ninja warrior challenge big <laughs> buck hunter arcade goosebumps the game but then big hero 6 battle in the bay like the big you know that's working directly with same with uh frozen olaf's quest like working directly with disney on some massive ip so maybe they've just got you know they've got contacts they've got a bit of a reputation they can kind of swing these things and there's a reason that when you go on their games page you know uh skull island isn't even there because like they can every <laughs> time you make wanna... a yeah every time you make a misfire you sweep it under the rug and you you know the accountants deal with it by taking it you know because the other games did make enough money I, do you reckon that there's a, a a calculation where they effectively say put it out like we're, we're done with this it's trash put it out because even if we sell a hundred copies at least we've made back a little bit of money or do you or do you think they, yeah. they hope see so you do like that because i always wonder about that because we talked the other week about like uh, studios cancelling games, outright cancelling them because they're like, no, we we don't want to do that. But I suppose some studios, it's or some publishers even, it's it's they're willing to take the hit. Yeah, I think uh, you know live service games like Hyenas was going to be. I think that's when we were discussing it. Are probably a little bit more complicated because then you're looking at is it a free to play launch? You know, what was your budget for the you know marketing spend around launch? What are your server costs? You know, uh, what what are your costs in terms of like fostering a community or doing updates and can you really afford the um the you know the bad pr of releasing a free-to-play live service game that is technically dead on day zero like you've already <laughs> taken all the live ops people off it before it's even come out and you at some point you just don't, yeah at some point just don't release it whereas like a boxed a, a technically boxed game that i think i saw on the um on the website for Game Mill, they were boasting about their relationship with Walmart. So there are probably, you know, physical copies of Skull Island sat at Walmarts around America being picked up by parents or kids that don't have a fucking clue what they're looking at. Like, there that probably is, so is some money. Yeah, like, there's some money to be made there. And because here's the other thing, right? Video games can be delayed. Uh, there's no uh, there's no f movie tie-in for Skull Island that I know of. Um I know that, we're, as we discussed, like Kong and Godzilla stuff has been going on of late, but nothing in the immediate future that I can think of that's specifically Kong-related. So I'm sure that there's some version of this where Iguana B went back and were like, can we have another six months, please? And Game Boy looked at it and were like, 
this won't make it significantly better enough for it to review better yeah. for those reviews to have a positive impact on sales. Like our forecasts say that it's going to sell the same amount now as it would with another year of development time. So we're releasing it. Sorry. And Iguana be go, oh shit. I know someone who might buy this on, on sale. Is it one of your sons? Well, I was, it's, it's me because <laughs> it's me for, for my kid because he's so, yeah, my seven-year-old loves the Monsterverse. And one, th- and one thing with like the whole Monsterverse thing is um, he's too young to watch any of like the new Godzilla Kong movies. Okay. Um, but he loves like, he'll watch any YouTube video about Kong, Godzilla. Like he, he knows actually quite a scary amount about all the different iterations of like Godzilla and, and Kong and all that sort of stuff. But, and yeah, he would, he would play this because some of the games they play that are movie tie-ins that I've watched them play streaming through PlayStation now are trash, like real trash that to be fair, probably belong in the same sort of bracket as this three out of 10. Um, yeah. Kong game. And so realistically, I mean, if, if they played this, uh, if my seven-year-old played this, he'd he'd probably have a good time. And if I could pick it up for five ninety-nine, like somewhere on a deal, I'd probably do it just because I'd be like, "Yeah, he's going to be happy. He's not going to know any different." They, I mean, yeah. they play roadblocks for like for crying out loud. I know, but then apparently so does everyone on the planet. Uh, I've never never seen anyone physically actually play it with my own two eyes, but I'm told everyone does. I've played um, it. I've played it quite like a lot. I haven't seen it with my own two eyes, Nancy, so oh, we'll have your word against mine. We'll do a stream. It is... Mm. it ro- Roblox it, are, like... <laughs> it is the most... Most of it, anyway, seems to be the most, like, ground-level in game development. Like, they are... Cl- the job they are, they click... A lot of them are clicker games uh, in 3D, like, game form. Don't, hang on, Josie. Don't make me download Roblox here. <laughs> That that is what they are. They're the, the the ones they my kids play a lot of the tycoon ones where it's effectively just stand on a button and to get money and then you can buy a dropper which means that you get more money more quickly and then they're just oh, doing God. that. That's what it is. And then you build a base and the base grows as you get more as you like buy more stuff just running over buttons buying more stuff. And so and do you know what a lot of those Roblox games are probably comparable to this con game like the inequality in in how they play. Hey, so, probably. Well, I guess we'll have to watch the space if if um. If Skull Island does ever make its way down to the five great British pound mark, then maybe we'll be getting an update on the podcast about how Jonesy, or rather uh, Jonesy's extended family, have been enjoying their time with the title thus far. Um, but I guess what Jonesy's uh, admittance reminds us of more than anything is that there will, you know, for as long as there are billions of people out there on planet Earth, there will always be someone stupid enough. Uh, to give a significant, or not insignificant at least, amount of money to a bad cause, which brings us light nicely onto our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Patreon.com is the link, fatepatreon.com forward slash super show. Um, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, this podcast at this stage, if you haven't seen the number of views we accumulate on platforms like YouTube, is entirely supported and entirely funded by patreon it's the reason that we are able to be here week after week and keep the lights on not the lights in our homes that would be slightly more concerning we have other means by which we keep uh, electricity flowing through our domiciles um but the patreon is the cherry on top um and uh it's not just 
keeping the lights on there's also a whole bunch of perks and benefits if you do head over to patreon.com forward slash super show you will see that if you pledge various amounts of money at the various tiers you will get everything from access to our discord server to access to patreon exclusive videos and patreon exclusive podcasts and again as i've pointed out in the past everything that we've made for patrons over the entirety of the last three plus years at this point is available to you if you do head over to that link and check it out and and pledge just a little bit of money there are some names on screen right now of some fine folk that have already headed over there and done that so a huge shout out to all of them but i'd also like to give a personal thank you to aaron cameron athletic gravy brimstone ice not rock salt yes Cam, dal nielsen and pastors guild and then of course we have the big dogs, the members of the board, Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Bookread, Manuel Guerrero, and Peacewad. A huge thank you once again to each and every one of you, no matter which amount of money you're pledging, no matter if you're a past or present patron, um, it's all a huge help, uh, and we thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys, and, and thank you for our uh, top, uh, well, letting me know about the top news story that we were going to cover this week. In the Discord, which was um, Skull Island, Rise of Kong. There you go. Thank you for keeping Jonesy well read um, and giving us something to talk about as we managed to fill what would otherwise be two hours of dead air every week. Although Jonesy, for as engaging as a story as that Skull Island one was, let's be honest, at the beginning of this podcast, we had a little bit of trouble weaning ourselves off the topic of discussion of Spider-Man 2. Um, so let's not hold off anymore. You've been playing it. Uh, you based on you said for thirty to forty percent, didn't you? I can't remember the exact. Yeah, number. I'm about thirty five percent. Yeah, let's say maybe seven. Let's say seven hours. How does that sound? That sounds about right. Yeah, probably about okay. seven hours. So where are you at with it in terms of your feelings? Um, I I, I try to be measured. So far, I think it's pretty fantastic. It's okay. Um, improved on everything I wanted to improve upon uh, Miles Morales and Spider-Man 1. Um, it looks fantastic. The New York is very pretty. It's the, the fact that they've expanded now beyond Manhattan Island and you've got some of those other places like Brooklyn, Queens, and I, I think is. Um, yeah. I've actually found myself getting almost confused as to where I am because you just zip across a bridge and then I'm like, I don't know where I am now. Where's the Where are the big skyscraper ones? And I have to like look on the map and be like, oh, because that's what I remember... Um, so I, I actually jumped back into Spider-Man uh, Remastered on the PlayStation 5 literally two months ago uh, because I hadn't done, I think, I think there was one bit of um, downloadable content that I hadn't quite finished. And so I, I did that. Um, and so I actually felt quite uh, familiar. So immediately jumping in, like you've got a whole load of the stuff that you have to unlock in Spider-Man 1 is already unlocked for you here. Same with um, Miles Morales. You know, he's got a lot of his... Uh, Venom powers, not Venom. What do they call them? Venom powers, Scorpion. No, powers. they do call his Venom. No, they do call them Venom powers. Confusingly, um, for a game that um, features Venom, uh, Miles's powers are called Venom powers. Yes, um, but and and it's it's actually it's improved in a lot of ways upon um, like flow for me. I think pacing seems fantastic. The combat, the variety of enemies, I think is good. Um, 
they haven't got as many sort of it seems anywhere at the moment like annoying little side quests you haven't got a mash square to stop a car which used to do my head in like every time there's like chase okay. out this vehicle you still I mean, do that you can still stop a lot of cars but you don't mash anything to do it you don't you just, have to mash anything. you just punch them once and, and, and then they do the rest yeah like the, i saw the pacing of the game seems to be better and that it it seems to go from mission to as well because this game's all you can switch between mars and spider-man um but it's not in an annoying way. And if you don't want to, you know, if you're not a completionist of side quest stuff, it does seem to flow quite nicely from character to character organically through the story. You're not like playing yeah. as Spider-Man for a really long time and then, you know, switching over to Miles. It just seems to, yeah, you sort of pop back and forth between the two as the story develops. Um, yeah, like everything seems wicked. Like I, I like the voice acting. I like some of the lines. There was something earlier that made me laugh because uh, there was a line that, um, Spider uh, Peter Parker says, but I can't oh, genuinely I, 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 laugh out loud. I had, I had, I had one. Um, the, but I, it's not a spoiler, but it involves the name of a, a side character who I'm sure everyone, um, I, I can't remember if she was in any of the the trailers. Um, but and I also don't know if it was entirely intentional. All I'll say is that um, Miles, I guess, uh, quotes uh, says a famous quote from a movie. Um, but he says it in French, and it just so happens that this character's name is the same exact name from this movie. And uh, yeah, it, yeah. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't think I do. Okay, I don't um, think so. Maybe I missed it. I'm, I can't. I miss things. Quite I mean, easy. do you have? Uh, oh, I, it's so hard to know because I can't remember if she's in any of the trailers. Um, the character I'm talking about. Um, in case, in case she's not, don't say it. I, I think I know who you're talking about, but. Just in case, I don't want to. Um... Yeah, that's fair enough. Oh no, hold on. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah. like quite inconsequential. It's a bit of a sidey thing. It's not really that. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, really, largely very inconsequential. And they're they're a character that were prominently featured throughout the first one in its DLC. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when that person um, heads off somewhere, um, <laughs> yeah. Miles says to them, "Au revoir, blank." Um, which yes. is obviously, yeah, which yeah, is like, yeah. bah. No, I, I, yeah, now you say, I'm like, of course, I totally forgot about that. But no, yeah. uh, the, what I was, I, presu I presume it was intentional. There's a bit that I, uh, it's not spoilers at all, but there's a, there's a big, um, uh, so I think it's when you're, you, so I'm sure everyone knows at this point, but you get at some point in the game, quite early on, you get the black suit, you get infected with the symbiote as Spider-Man and you get, become black suit Spider-Man, much like Spider-Man 3? Spider-Man 3? Yes, sir. With yeah, yeah. Quiet. Uh, in kind of a similar way um, and it, he starts he gets a little bit of a change in personality and it sort of builds slowly but he starts to get a little bit more sassy and a little bit more aggressive um, in some ways and there was a bit that genuinely made me laugh out loud which is where a, a big burly dude walks up to you and he's got a massive axe and he's this uh, and he's got a, a bare head um, he's wearing on his head and he sort of walks right up to you and he's, and he's trying to be all tough and scary and he gets right up in your face and and, and Peter just stops and just whispers like, I think he says, no, there are, I didn't know there are bears in these woods. And then he just says, I don't have any honey. And the guy just smacks him across the room. And I genuinely made me laugh out loud. I thought that was some very funny timing and, and a nice little line showing kind of the, um, how he's becoming 
more kind of like give a f- I don't give a fuck I'm going to beat the crap out of all of you like he yeah. just starts to get a different uh, personality that, that's the beginning of it the transition I will say yeah. for anyone that hears Dozy saying that and is worried that that's the full extent of like no 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 of Peter's personality like don't worry <laughs> no he, he, I'm at the beginning of where he's he's starting to get the the tendrils of the symbiote are starting to affect him the power trip okay. that he's on yeah um, okay cool but yeah no I'm I'm really enjoying it like I think I think it's um yeah, improved everywhere it needed to improve. I can see, I don't know where it's going to go, and I can see why some. I can imagine why some people have said that maybe um, Insomniac didn't push the envelope enough. But at the moment, I, I'm even if it goes where I think it's going to go, I'm going to be very, very happy with the story. Um, yeah, because I, 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 it's one of those things where I think you go into it with a lot of different possibilities in mind for areas that they could explore and narrative possibilities that they could you know wander down. And as the game progresses and you see how they're handling certain characters and certain arcs, you're able to kind of like strike some of those things from the list. And it got it's arrived at the point for me now where I have a pretty good idea of where things are going in much the same way that kind of happened with the first Spider-Man game. And, you know, there were always question marks over Otto Octavius. Um, and, but, you know, the degree to which you actually, there was actually any real kind of uncertainty in the mix there, you know, varied as the game progressed. Like, are they going to undermine some people's expectations or are they going to is it actually going to be what most people are expecting and i will say that spider-man 2 isn't quite as on the nose as spider-man 1 was in that respect um but and i i have my theories and i have yet to see if all of them are right yet but there have also been some surprises or some character arcs that i didn't expect to kind of play out in the exact way they did um, right. um even inside the first like third to a half of the the game's narrative they were like oh, okay i didn't know that this individual is going to play that kind of a role or, or whatever. But um, yeah, um, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a really, really, really strong game. Uh, it's, it's kind of a tough one to talk about, right? Because like Spider-Man 2018 was, was really good. Miles Morales, I actually thought was better. I know that not many, not a huge amount of people agree with me on that, but I, I thought it was. And then you've got it, you're talking about Insomniac Games. So in the middle of all of that also made, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which may still up to this point be the best looking PlayStation 5 game mm. on the market. Um, you know, they are, you know, indisputably kind of best in class at the moment. And so as I think it was kind of skill up kind of joked going into his review, you don't go into a discussion about Spider-Man 2 or even in Spider-Man 2 itself, wondering whether or not it's a good game. Instead, you're more wondering, yeah. like, how good is it going to be or how much better than my expectations is it going to be? And for me, some of those questions are still being answered. Um but I, but I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement, and there's a moment extremely early on, like first first couple of minutes of the game, when the game first transitions from its basically its opening cutscene into gameplay, where you kind of have that moment where you're like, oh, like I am in, I'm in very safe hands for want of a better way of putting it. Like I'm playing a game that is made by people who know exactly what they're doing, the kind of game they make it, and how they want it to sing, and uh, almost bar none, it kind of hits every note that I think it's aiming for. Some like there were occasional things that like didn't I I don't know how you experienced this but that didn't like always click with me immediately as someone who hasn't played a Spider-Man game since Miles Morales released there was kind of a bit of an intimidation factor to the number of abilities you have and the way some of them are mapped out right and so when you get into the kind of like L1 and every single face button does something then you get to the point where L1 and every single face button can do one of two things. R1, R1 and every single face button can can do something. Like you're dodging dodging some stuff, then there are other attacks that you have to dodge. There are other attacks you can 
you, there's now a parry system that's included in there, and all of this is communicated through the color of Spidey's Spidey senses. And like, yes, there's a difference between you know the kind of the white Spidey sense and the red Spidey sense if you're going for that perfect dodge timing as it was in the previous games. But now there's a yellow one and a blue one, um, and so. That, that you know, there's a lot, a lot going on on that front, and uh, sometimes uh, it, the negative impact just enemy is not in terms of the way my gameplay has kind of panned out. I've been happy with, like I've been doing fights or action sequences or set pieces and gone like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. But every now and then I look at my the skill tree, and I think I don't even know whether I should even unlock that because I'm not going to remember <laughs> I can do it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So I, I guess that's not really a knock on the game, and you do slowly kind of absorb things into your sort of roster of abilities but i think that is one slightly odd element and i also think the story the story spins its wheels for a little while i think one of the interesting things about playing spider-man 2 uh, relative to having seen all the pre-release material for the game both trailers and uh, the that kind of state of play demonstration that happened during the summer is having that mind map of where you assume certain story beats take place and where they actually take place um and uh, yeah, I, I, obviously I can't go into any specifics on that, but some things haven't happened when I thought they would, which has led to a situation where I'm like, oh, okay, the kind of the preamble to what I thought this story was going to be all about is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I had yeah, I had exactly the same thing. Uh, okay, yeah, but but it is a little. The only that maybe the criticism I would have of the story so where I'm at so far is it seems like they've used Craven the Hunter as um kind of a way of name checking a bunch of other characters without having to sort of fully explore them um or even talk about them that much which is fine like i fine i get it like i i don't they don't need to go into all these different characters but they they reference there's a weird bit where they reference quite a few different um villains and you so, and you get to interact with them in a in a way um but they're not necessarily fully in the game which i thought was was See? kind of like an interesting idea <laughs> I wouldn't. I would have minded that a lot. I would, wouldn't have. I would have, let me face this right. I would have minded that a lot more than I do if those characters hadn't all played a part in the first Spider-Man game. Yeah, like that's very. Like you've there's, seen this. They didn't name anyone. Who I was going. Oh, what are they going to do with that? And then they were like, everyone they did it with was people. They were people we knew. Um, but the, for me, that the weird, the, the one of the things that kind of made me think like, oh, this is interesting, was because when you put together what you said about like when you first get into combat in this, you are at the almost at the point where you are when you leave Spider-Man One. So you're mm -hmm. and and Miles Morales. So you have all those abilities. Um, some stuffs like reduced, like your focus bar. You've only got one focus bar, etc. Things like that oh. um, at the beginning. But you have like nearly all of the abilities that Pete had, and that means that you're in kind of a you know except for some of the um gear wall stuff that means that you go in there and like you said you you feel like oh wow i am pretty op straight away i can do a lot of this aerial juggling of enemies and yanking them and stuff sure. very early on in the game um and i just I, I wondered if people coming to it who didn't play spider-man one let's say they said oh i'm gonna buy spider-man 2 i never played spider-man 1 but i want to you know i've got a playstation 5 i'm gonna play spider-man spider-man 2 i wonder if they might have felt, found it a little bit um like the, the learning curve a little bit a little bit high and like getting into it a little bit quick and almost missing out on some of those characters that are nods to the first game but you're like you don't yeah, but you don't I mean, I, I, people can hate me for this but you, you don't get to do that you don't get to knowingly miss 50 percent of the entire story and then complain that you didn't see more of characters that featured prominently in that's the fair. thing you missed that's fair i mean I, I had exactly the same thought around god of war 
uh, Ragnarok because it was the same sort of the deal with that. The, the way they went in was this is a sequel. This is not. This is part yeah. two. And and I know that the develop the um, people making Spider Man uh, or the, the the game dev lead or whatever I don't know what he's called uh, has even said at one point recently that um, has, has has effectively alluded to the third Spider Man game in this series in this trilogy. Right. Um, yeah. Well. Quadrilogy, if you want to include Miles Morales as a, as a standalone, um, but no, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, to say like you don't get to do that, you can just play Spider Man Remastered. Like you, if you've got a play, you know, if you have PlayStation Plus, you can like, like get it for free. Imagine that in any other context. Imagine someone like reading like the second book in a series or the second watching the second film in a series, and then the major complaint is the they, same. Keep, they keep they keep skimming over all these characters and not elaborating on what they're all. I think that's I think that's not quite the same. Oh, you're frozen. I don't know if it's me who's frozen or if it's Jamie who's frozen. I'm back now. Oh, you're right. back. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I don't I don't feel like that's fair when yeah, you're talking you're, about you're when mental. You're, when you're talking about video games, the only difference for me is you do have a lot of people that join a generation, um, like a PlayStation 5, PlayStation 2, PlayStation, wherever they hop oh. in. You could nowadays you could be talking about a game that came out eight years ago on a different system. Don't when don't care, <laughs> all right. But I think that when you're talking about a book, it's, there's no barrier not... to entry. There's no reason to not get the first entry in a series of books. There's no reason to not get the previous Spider-Man game. If you got the PS4 version backs compatible, if you don't want to play it, they remastered it for you. I, there you I, go. I agree with the remaster and the fact that you can get it on PlayStation Plus for free, but I don't think that's carte blanche across gaming to say you don't get to say, oh, I didn't play the first one. Because, for example, I've never played Mass Effect 1. I went into Mass Effect 3 and was like, I want to know more about this. Went yeah, back to Mass Effect 2, you know, mess, mess. Every, every time we bring up Mass Effect, what is the number one thing that I criticize you for to no end is doing exactly that. It's it, like it blows my mind. Like I just think that you, like it's not arrogance, but it's entitlement to think that a game should pander to you because you decided to miss out on like the the a narrative thread that directly feeds into the one that you want to experience. Do you know it's because they used? To, I think the reason I expect is because they used to do it. So one of the things they used to do with sequels a lot when I was younger was you would affect you you'd finish the first game when the sequel came out they'd effectively depower you back to kind of how you were at the beginning of the first game and yeah, let you would. build up again and so I got used to as a gamer that was the way games worked they they depowered you back to the first game for some silly reason um you know and you oh you you've gone to an area where all your power has been taken away and so it's kind of flipping the script on me to now say, oh no, now you get everything you did in the first. I I love it because I played I played Spider Man One, I oh, played Spider Man Miles Morales. There's two different there's two different things here though. There's the there's game there's the gameplay kind of the mechanical elements, yeah. and there's the narrative elements. I don't think pandering people from to, to pandering to people who chose not to experience something from a narrative perspective makes sense. I I do think though that there is a difference between active memory and muscle memory. And using like workarounds to ease people back up to a certain point in terms of like physical, like mechanical elements makes more sense than narratively. But like, I didn't need like to, to pull a name out of the hat that I don't think anyone will consider a spoiler. I didn't need the first time that you know that uh, like uh, Scorpion was name dropped in Spider Man Two there to be some big flashback about oh how like what is Insomniac Scorpion actually right. like and what did he do in the first game and what kind of run-ins did he have with Peter Parker and what effect does his weird like um, you know hallucinogenic uh, poison it's like no like, this is you play it 
that, fair enough. That is fair enough. And, and I think it, we don't want to retread old ground by going back. Like, yeah, if they'd have gone back and they've got all these characters out and you'd have been fighting them again, it would have been really annoying. Um, yeah. So I, 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 no, I, I, I do agree with you on that. I, I was, I, I guess in some sense, it's almost like a nod to the people that have played the first one because you're kind of name checking them. But then you sort of at the same time hope that they don't just do that without introducing anyone new, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, no, then, this is not to criticize Spider Man 2. It's, it's no. a very, very good game. I, I, I will say that the jumping off point for that discussion was Craven. And I know some people, from what I understand, haven't been super hot on Craven. And I can kind of see why. Like, there are one dimensional elements to him. But I actually I think he's great. Like I think I like him. Yeah, it's, I think it's good. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I know it, this is a, a term that's like more often used in to, like to describe movies and TV shows because of like the physicality behind an actor's performance. But Craven is a surprisingly strong like on-screen presence, and you really like feel his presence in scenes when he's like either on camera or he's in the vicinity of other characters. Um, like there is a genuine, like genuinely imposing, threatening kind of layer to Craven where you almost like believe how strong he is you believe uh, how capable he might be and i just think uh, for the how for how boring craven sounds on a piece of paper prior to me my, you know me seeing this rendition of him i think they've they've handled it just about as well as you could handle a a character who is basically some crazy russian dude who lives for the thrill of the hunt like when that's the, when that's the full extent of it i I, I like I like him a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I think they do a good job of building his how imposing he is. Uh, like as at the beginning, I think he, I thought he was just a dude, and then by you know with the point I'm at, you're like, no, he's massive. He's super strong. They've and Peter's alluded to how like jacked and and you know how sort of imposing he is as a dude. The only thing that I've kind of throws me a little bit is. Um, the, the, they, they go for these these so for people who don't know he has this whole thing that he wants to hunt the most uh, difficult to hunt prey and that's so super villains become the prey um, but then some of the times that, and the way they've handled that has been a little bit like a bit of a damp squib for me without giving anything away but okay. um, I can think of what, about what you're talking about but and, but then to be fair like uh, I can't think of a better way that they could have done it without trying to take too much of the game for no re like just for a, a cutscene so actually to be fair yeah. to them I think they've probably done it in the best way they could have done it that's the thing yeah and it's also like what I liked about those elements is there are consequences of Craven's actions that are definitive and I think sometimes one of the criticisms people have of superhero media um, is that they, they, they stray away from more definitive actions or more definitive narrative decisions because everything kind of needs to be carte blanche for the next story arc or the next game or whatever it is. Like, you never take a card off the table outright. And one of the things they do use Craven for without being too, you know, sort of uh, indiscreet in discussing him is that they Craven takes cards off the table and you're like, right, okay, like that... Yes. Interesting. Which I, that in, to me was talking about Insomniac being brave in their decision making. I think they've that is that he's a good character to take cards off the table. Like they've done a very good job of going, no, yeah. that's done. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair. I did. Yeah. you're going to go um, that hard on it. Um, yeah. They, I've had, talking about the wider game, I've had a couple of, and to be fair, it's not really played out. I had a couple of bugs early on, which I was a little bit worried about. Um, I've had a few as well. Because some of the like one of them that I had super early on was I don't know if you class it as game breaking because I could I could go back and restart the last checkpoint but I literally uh, I think was fighting Sandman in the first five minutes um, I yeah. glitched out got stuck in an invisible wall and then could do nothing 
and I was just like, man, that uh, sucks. This doesn't pose like this doesn't look good for the rest of the game. But luckily, I think that's I've I've never I haven't had anything else that bad. I've had a couple of issues whereby the swinging mechanic seems to just go freak out on me for no apparent reason. But that's few and far between. It doesn't happen often. Um, yeah. But no, apart from like, that, yeah. little little annoying things like, and I, I think Insomniac have had this before with other games whereby their um, uh, the boxes around collectibles. I would love it if they were bigger because I'm like trying to get the hit triangle and it's just like I've got to be in exactly the right goddamn position. Yeah. And I'm like, so I'll second that massively. And it's so annoying. I'm like, just do, just make the box bigger that you can sense that I'm in the right area in, and like I don't need to yeah. be on top of it, looking in exactly the right place. Like, come on. Yeah, especially when there's a system where if a character's talking at the same time, you have to wait for them to finish talking before you press triangle, and they kind of dull the glow of the interactable kind of elements to indicate that you can't interact with them quite yet. But when you combine that with the fact that, like Jonesy said, the game can be really pedantic sometimes about where you're standing or how close or how far away even sometimes you are from certain things before you interact with them. I have at least one case where I thought an interactable item was bugged, um, and uh, but luckily it wasn't. I just had to wait. Um, well, and just a couple of other random things like there are some collectibles where after you do the collectible you get kind of a voice note or a voice message from someone and one time there was like a 20 second gap between me collect me doing a thing and me hearing that message at a situation where um, this weird sort of like staticky yellow electricity thing that certain uh, enemies as like can do to uh, you the player character as a kind of a status effect the visual element of it stayed with me into the next scene so I was walking around in cut scenes with like this yellow sparks flying all up me yeah and I also had one that, the only other one I had which I just had to again I had to run away from and then because it was in, in the open world was I was doing a crime and uh, the, the I had to kill all these enemies and at the end I had to destroy a turret that was on top of a, a truck. Um, but I had already destroyed the turret prior, so my objective was to just de destroy a turret that I already destroyed, um, and I couldn't progress. But because it was an open-world crime, I just had to run away and get, move on with my life. So <laughs> the minor minor bugs with zero consequences is the is what I've experienced so far, but not bug-free. No, no. Um, which which comes to we come to an interesting thing about that. So. Uh, one thing which I really and I do really like that Insomniac did this and have said this and you know I mean this is just a given in some some titles fair enough but they've come out and said that on the game sorry on the disc is the entire game uh, and there are no patches required you do not need to be online you can buy the disc you can play the game it's a single player standalone console experience which I love I love that I, I get that doesn't work for some games I'm not suggesting that should be every title that comes out and like there are a couple of bugs as we've said but you could go buy this disc get completely cut off of the internet and have a phenomenal time and you're going to get a little bit frustrated with a couple of silly little bugs that i'm sure they'll patch at some point but yeah they're going to cause you any issues yeah fundamentally you, yeah you're right the, the on disc experience day one is is totally playable which is uh, it was great to see i i did pull out some some news stories this week apparently um some players in some parts of the world have been facing issues where the game isn't installing properly from the disc itself uh, but it seems like those issues have been largely affecting players in mainland Europe, um, specifically Romania, the Netherlands, and Malta. So I don't know if it was one specific kind of uh, region, whether that's like to do with where the, those discs were manufactured or what, the, or, the, or just a certain batches that were sent to certain parts of the world. Um, but I, I'd imagine it's actually a pretty small issue considering, uh, I, from what I understand, neither PlayStation nor Insomniac have directly commented on it yet. And I haven't 
it, the problem hasn't become pervasive enough that like you know a significant number of people are screaming from the rooftops about it so hopefully that's a very isolated incident and this becomes a game that yeah if you have a boxed physical you know copy of Spider-Man 2 you can kind of put it in the museum and know that mm. game will work forever on PlayStation 5 hardware theoretically internet connection or not servers or not you know so that's cool I the only other the only other thing I would criticize a little bit and this isn't this isn't a criticism actually of the, of the Insomniac or, or development this is a, this is just like a personal thing I think some of the direction with some of the models I'm not of the characters I'm like a little bit like I don't like they must be choices but I'm just like, ah, oh, I'd like... So, for, and I know this is good. Like I said, it's going to be personal because, for example, like Miles, I think they've... Um, I I really like Into the Spider-Verse and now in my head, I've got like that kind of younger, skinnier kind of model of Miles and in this, he's quite thick <laughs> and I was just... And he's he's not, he's, he is not thick. When he's, he's rocking, when he's rocking around in his, in his not Spider-Man suit, he's like a lot thicker. Yeah, he wear, yeah, he wears like baggier clothing, but when he's in the Spider-Man suit, he was like, dude looks, great. dude looks 25. He looks, and, and Peter still looks like the same age. I don't know, it just, it, but that's, that's, I mean, just, he, that's just, that's just a personal thing from like, you take the Into the Spider-Verse, like age gap and difference and then to this. It's just, it's, that's, like I said, purely a personal thing. Um, I think, um, okay. when you thought, when you said models, I thought you were going to be talking about like the NPCs on the streets and stuff. No, like no, 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 no. This is, um, uh, to me, I think the only other one was I'd seen some criticism about like the uh, Mary Jane looks a bit weird in this one, but and she does a little bit maybe, but like nothing that is that terrible. I really like the I really like what they've done with um again this is just personal this isn't this isn't an actual criticism. Young Spider Man, there's a couple of like flashbacky stuff, uh, and you get to see young Spider Man, young Peter. Oh, Parker. like high yeah, like high school era, and he looks like Tom Holland, which I love. Like he does he, look he, like Tom he, Holland. You know what? I I I I would love to tell everyone that Jonesy's like buying into some internet conspiracy theory, but I had the exact same thought. Like high school Peter Parker in this game looks a lot more like Tom Holland than his actual model does. I will be a little bit sappy as well and say some of the li- some of these sort of side quests uh, or even main quests like side adjacent story adjacent things like the flashback. Uh, you go on a bike ride. There's a there's a section where you play as uh, a character. And from their perspective, the world seems different. Um, I know it's when you're talking about. Yeah, I loved that. Um, really nice, really well judged and handled. Yeah, very well judged. Now, except for the ending, which did my head in, uh, which I'm not going to say because I want people to go yeah, to yeah. it fresh and enjoy it. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, of course. I'll tell you after why. Now you'll be like, oh, you're so. But um, there was another. Uh, there's a side quest where you're collecting some things that have been taken. Um, and you uh, get to, you know, facilitate something happening, which probably wouldn't have happened. And then you get to walk around and sort of just have a little bit of an experience, just reading up about things. And I thought that was a lovely touch, um, like yeah. a like, nice little, uh, you know, side quest mission with a nice little payoff. And often with some of the side quests, when you get to like the end of a little uh, string of side quests, there might be like a special suit that you get, which I think is a fantastic, you know, a uh, little reward and a bonus for, for following a thread to his conclusion totally. which I thought was great although I don't know if you've had this problem but I my brain is not letting me change some like especially after Black Sea um, Spider-Man yeah because I'm not but, changing well, that well yeah because it's like so for anyone that doesn't know the game continues to let you customise and change suits after Peter gets the symbiote suit but like I just did something I feel like it wouldn't make sense to I don't want a cutscene of like symbiote Peter doing something knobheadish <laughs> while I'm like dressed as like I don't. I don't. Some people think the suits are spoilers, so I won't specify. But yeah, you know, just in something else. 
you, no, I'm completely with you. I um I unlocked a very cool suit earlier, uh, which comes with some bonuses. Okay, yeah, um, bonuses that uh, might involve like the toggles in an option menu. Very, yeah, very, very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. accurate they are. Um, and I was like, okay, that's fantastic, but I can't do anything with them yet because I'm in the black spine symbiote. Yeah, suit, so I've got no intention like, of changing that. But at the end of the game, when I have to do like side mission cleanups, this will be great. But for now, uh, whereas with Miles, I go to town. Like I'm, I love all his suits. His customizers was fantastic. Like he has suits with like he's wearing shorts and a puffer jacket with like headphones on and all that. He and it, I, the, I, actually, I think I prefer Miles in this game to Peter. Um, even though you get to do the power fantasy thing of being black suit Spider Man, I, I prefer yeah. his character at this point and his arcs and stuff he well, does. They've managed to weirdly as well. I don't know if you've had this. I feel like they play, they feel different. They don't feel this. They do the same things. They have well, similar moves. The, anim the animation, the animations are different. Like swinging yeah. is different between the two of them. And you kind of feel that kind of almost like slightly less fluid, like slightly less experienced, but at the same time, slightly more stylish and like, yeah. you know, like attitude-y feeling from Miles, like which in is, the way he kind of swings and twists. Which is some very subtle, but has quite a profound impact oh, really? on how you feel oh, when right. you play as each character, which is, which is fantastic. Like, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I was going to say that was the reason I, I connected with Miles Morales more than 2018 in a lot of ways because there was that kind of like um, there was that feeling at times of like w Miles's attachment to m some members of his family to his community to his friends like the idea that like this is a kid from that area who's still going to school around there not that Peter felt necessarily d detached from the city but like Miles feels embedded within a community a lot more than Peter does a lot of the time. And so some of that means that some of the things he does kind of hit home a little bit more. But it is interesting still that Spider-Man 2 story, as far as, as in the amount of it that I've played, skews towards Peter's experiences more than... Like, like Miles, Miles is there, obviously. Um, he's he's Spider-Man, but the, the, the thrusts of the main narrative revolve around Peter's life more than Mars's, um, in my, from what I've seen so far. And I'm curious to see if, like, how that will change when it does. There's ways in which I know it always has to, because um, yeah. there are loose threads. Um, it's but funny yeah, it's really interesting. I'm so, I, I'm so into, like, seeing where the story goes. And even, like, saying, like, it, apparently it's quite safe in what the, uh, they've done. I'm, I'm super into it. Like, I'm super into seeing what happens and where it goes. Yeah. Also, could I ask you, I know that when I told you what skill upset about them, you kind of thought, okay, I can kind of get behind that. Web wings, yay or nay? Love them. Yeah, they're awesome. They're fantastic. <laughs> the I thought they were going to be... I mean, maybe it's blasphemous even to mention these two games in the same breath, but um, when you come to like Gotham Knights and you have the... You unlock the abilities, you know, to traverse in different ways in that game, you kind of like... It's like once you've um, got your travel ability, your traversal ability, you just sack off the bike because why would you use it, right? It's just so much easier to glide around in the sky and you're zipping and gliding, zipping and gliding. And then when you get fast travel, it's like, why would I traverse when I can just fast travel? Like it, it's one of those. Yeah. I have not found that at all with uh, with this. Like the, the web wings... And the point jump and the swinging and everything just so beautifully integrates that you just find yourself flipping and gliding and jumping and leaping. And yeah, it just gives you so many options um, to travel in such a cool way. Yeah. And I, I still find myself holding square and doing like spins and flips when I'm just like Dang. going around the city. 
It's just yeah, I'm saying. It, yeah, no, I, I, the wings don't detract at all from for me. I, I no. even love them when it comes to doing the annoying sections that used to kind of bug me when you go into areas with um, very little, uh, like you know, barely any buildings. Like Central Park used to be really mm -hmm. annoying in Spider Man because there's it's, it's quite a frustrating way to travel and you just find yourself wrapping X to like uh, zip forward all the time. This is yes. in your way. Hold L2, hold X, launch yourself from a couple of trees, get some speed, web wings, and you can cover Central Park in like really cool Spider-Man fashion and just feel yeah. badass when you do it. And at really high speeds. And I know like, we talked fast. about that before release about how, you know, Insomniac have talked about, you know, the swing factor, swing speed, excuse me, potentially being limited by your hard drive speed or now SSD speed and the extent to which they can take advantage of, you know, the, the that like again i know some people get angry when it's brought up but like uh, the playstation 5 supposedly very bespoke uh solid state drive uh, but you do see that when you take some like the the mega slingshots or whatever they're called yeah. and go directly into the web wings or catch a wind tunnel and you're like no this is many multiple times faster than some of the regular swinging was in the previous game and it keeps up it keeps up all the time um for a game where there is a you know, a fidelity mode and a performance mode and there's variable refresh rate support with a 40 frames a second mode and all this kind of stuff. There's ray tracing in every single mode and you're like, I'm moving through the city at twice, three times the speed than I ever have before. And that's one of the things that I think that technically like never ceases to impress me is that it's a game that has to function on both a really surprisingly minute scale to this really unbelievably macro scale to the point where some people will, at points, I don't know if you've done this, but they will go down to the street level, they will walk across down the street, and they'll press square because Spider-Man does, like, finger guns and, like, salutes of people when you hit the uh, attack button and you're going past NPCs. And everything has to look good, and the crowds have to be dense, and the traffic has to be dense, um, and, you know, you can't see too many repeating NPCs and stuff like that, and the environment has to be detailed and and you know and so on and so forth and then in a moment's notice you have to be able to support the person flinging themselves hundreds of miles an hour through the air skyscrapers flying past where every single window in that skyscraper has retraced reflections of every single part and the fact that it just does it all like it, it is really quite remarkable and every time i find something a little bit finicky like like i find like i couldn't quite jump to where i wanted to jump or like i couldn't get to the exact ledge i wanted to or there's some part of it where like Oh, that character model like could look better. I'm reminded that no, there are very few games that have to deal with like the minute and the macro in yeah. such like extremely dense and detailed ways simultaneously with fractions of a second between the two. Like not to name names, but you think about how much loading Starfield does relative to how little loading, how how no like almost how no loading Spider-Man Two does, and. Like they've, and that's not a comparison that's helpful because they're very different games trying to do very different things but sometimes it is just like I don't know what Insomniac do over there I don't know what they feed their employees <laughs> um, from you know for breakfast in the morning but it's freakish um, it's not perfect but it's it's just uh, it's it's really quite stunning at times although you say all of that hundreds of miles an hour super fast through the city but sometimes it's just not fast enough to catch a van which is quite annoying oh have you frozen again you you froze for me too you bum back can you can you repeat what you're saying sorry yeah i said i said that that all been said and how you can travel really quickly but sometimes it's yeah. just not quite quick enough to catch a van going through the streets of new york city no well the, 
it's funny because that's that that push and pull becomes even more noticeable, hasn't it? Where you can feel like they need this chase to last this amount of time. At the fifteen second mark, you're going to really quickly catch up with them because that's the amount of time they've determined that a chase needs to last. Yeah, but you can't uh, in the time between. Yeah. They're but doing those again. Fans are doing like two hundred miles an hour around tight turns in a very built-up city. But those oh, drivers, yeah. mate, those drivers are pretty tasting. Oh, uh, apart from when like you accidentally hit a wall or hit a bridge or something and fall to the ground and you're not swinging anymore, oh. then all of a sudden that van is doing twenty miles an hour to make yeah. sure it doesn't get too far away from you. I uh, I actually chased one car and realised that it was actually just doing laps around the same block. Um, but it oh, was a really tight block. So I I did the couple of times. I messed up and then um, realized, oh, hold on. It's just going exactly the same route. So I just went to where it was going to be. And then I was like, okay, now I've got it. This was like earlier on in the game. But um, no, but th those those things are few and, few and far between. I've realized yeah. that we... So we haven't actually mentioned some of the um, some of the uh, sort of facts um, that about Spotify yeah, yeah, yeah. how well it's done in the... Um, Indeed. Uh, this first week. Because um, I think, yeah, the one thing that I saw today, which was... Um, I hadn't realized until I saw the headline was that it's now the um, fastest selling uh, game PlayStation Studios have ever done in 24 hours, right? Sell, sold the most in 24 hours. Um, yeah. Well, which is so normal. They're calling it the fastest selling game in their history. Well, we, yeah, what we do know is that they've sold through 2.5 million copies in the first 24 hours. It gets a little bit muddier when you think that the, the last time they declared a game the fastest selling game at launch was Ragnarok. And at the time, they told us it was 5.1 million copies in its debut week. Um, so they are using different time frames for the two um, as a means of like, hey, if we stop the clock now, then Spider-Man 2 is still technically selling the fastest selling places in uh, uh, studios game in history. But if it doesn't sell like another, you know, 2.6 million copies in the next uh, five days, four or five days, then it might not be as far. It depends how, we do, how, you, how you rate fast. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yes, yeah. basically. Um, you've got to imagine. It's still like, very good. Yeah, there's more people who've got PlayStation Fives now than had when Ragnarok came out, and it's not exactly. But Ragnarok was Ragnarok was cross-platform. Oh, oh yeah, no, of course, because that's that's one thing to me. This is that's a, it's a real shame that this is not cross-platform. That would be, I would love it. More people got to play. Uh, oh, like end of this. The, 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 yeah, the, there's the sympathetic part of me that's like, yes, more people should be able to play Spider-Man Two without having to buy new hardware. There's also the unapologetic part of me that's like, I don't want to know what Spider-Man Two looks like if Insomniac have to account for the PlayStation Four. We need, like, generations need to move on at some point. As Jim Ryan once famously lied, we believe in generations. Um, but even a bit, I mean, even like across Xbox, you know, XS, like across PC, oh. like every, like it's, it's, I do sometimes get that where I'm like, I, I, I get it. I get it. It's business. This is how games work. But at the same time, my friends who don't have a PlayStation, I'm just like, I want to, I want to say, you played Spider-Man. And they're like, oh no, I've got a PlayStation. And I think like, yeah, games, man. But no, it's, yeah, it's the way yeah. of the world. Yeah. It's the way of the world. And there are things to be playing at the moment. Um, what it's, it's worth true. noting that while Spider-Man 2 was supposedly comfortably uh, the number one bestseller here in the UK this past week, it was Super Mario Brothers Wonder that unsurprisingly secured second place. Um, for anyone wondering, uh, we're talking about the UK only and physical only because they, that's just about the only uh, stats you can get on a short-term notice, uh, on a short-term basis uh, when it comes to actual game sales. Spider-Man 2 is reportedly the fourth biggest launch in the UK behind Tears of the Kingdom, uh, EA Sports FC24, and Hogwarts Legacy. Um... So, pretty good company to be keeping, it must be said. Yes. Um, 
I, 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 I don't think anything there. Hogwarts Legacy was, uh, you know, a, a kind of just it just blew people. It just you know, storming out the gates as unbelievably fast selling game. EA Sports, you know, FIFA has always been um, one of the best selling games, if not the best selling game in the UK and across all of Europe, because that's just you know the leg of the popularity of football here. And in Tears of the Kingdom, to be fair, I I, could, I didn't actually remember that that was sold quite as well as it did, but it didn't surprise me at all. Um, but and sh- so this is this on PlayStation they're, they're saying because obviously like we said PlayStation so this is only PlayStation Five but are they comparing like e- uh, FC twenty four across FC twenty four and Hogwarts Legacy would have been yeah combined across all platforms so in, oh, in okay. theory Tears of the Kingdom and Spider Man two are more impressive in that sense because the only single platform system. releases yeah yeah exactly um, but I think but I think that's I think that EA Sports and FC and Hogwarts Legacy are one and two in the UK. At the moment, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, um, no, that makes sense. Like I say across, so, yeah, across, across more platforms, that totally makes sense. And, and as you said, very good, very good company to be keeping. Like nothing to be um, turning your nose up at. Yeah, and you know, Spider-Man Two is going to continue to sell, um, and I'm sure as PlayStation Fives continue to fly off shelves, there'll be a bunch more this Christmas, as there always are year on year. Spider-Man Two will continue to fly off shelves, and those players also have other things to look forward to. As Insomniac have confirmed, they're working on a new game plus mode and a mission replay feature, which are expected to be added to the game in an update later this year. I'm going to be honest, Jonesy, again, like, I'm not just not just trying to suck this game's dick, although I know I'm kind of doing that a little bit. I don't usually care for something like a mission replay feature completely removed from, like, my, you know, progression through a game's narrative. But there is this feeling sometimes, I, I don't know if you've had this too with Spider-Man 2, where no matter how innocuous a mission looks like when it's sat there in the the mission menu or on the, on the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man app, when you're looking at it, you know that like in half an hour time, half an hour's time, the most outrageously over the top, cinematic, explosive, bombastic set piece is going to be going off. Explo- buildings are going to be crumbling all around you. Like trains are going to be flying off the tracks. Like some like outrageous super villain is going to be doing this out of the other. And Spider-Man's just barely going to be holding it all together with like one web in their hand. And you're going to go, Jesus Christ, like, this would be the focal point, like the center point for almost any other game on the market out there. And your Spider-Man seems to do this every other mission. That that I that has actually blown me away. How many set pieces there are, how many amazing cutscenes there are. It's one thing I, d- I did see people criticizing, and I think this was before the game came out, was like use of QTEs and saying like, oh, how are we still using QTEs? But I found myself thinking like, this game is so ram full of, you know, really cool events and really exciting things. If you didn't include the occasional quick time event, I'm just going to be watching it like a Kojima style yeah. cutscene. I don't. I, there's nothing wrong with um, like I want. I'm glad I'm involved at some level with you know the occasional quick time event. I don't think that's a ne- that's a negative at all. And the way that they stuff this game full of like you said, just amazing set pieces which seem to just happen all the time around loads of different things as well. Like you, uh, the like the pacing. Genuinely, the pacing of this game is like wow. This is it's like a movie in the way that it's yeah like. You know, chill, big epic thing, chill, big epic thing, and you're like, okay, this isn't just yeah. for the main like massive story beats. It doesn't just happen three times in the whole game. You're going to see this again and again and again. And yeah, chuck me in a quick time event. Why the hell not? Absolutely, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I've taken that stance. I even remember that being a conversation five years ago around the release of you know the first Spider-Man game, and uh, my feelings echo yours exactly. Um, how else do you interact? So, how else do you? This is one thing I was thinking. How the one thing to have in, introduced here is the um, what do you call it? The the triggers that have resistance on the PlayStation Five, like the oh, 
Yeah. Um, what do they call that? There's a name for it. It's uh, something. Tri- uh, what are the triggers called? Not <laughs> where um, they are. Whatever they're called. You have a thing now whereby you have to pull them and get them into the right zone of a, of two bars, and they'll be different for R two and L two, which is which is a nice use of the of the haptics and a nice use of the resistance that the triggers offer. Um, and it is yeah, it's different to like just hitting adaptive, or, adaptive, adaptive. Thank you. It's a nice use of that adaptive trigger functionality. Um, but again, like I don't want to do that every time, you know. So occasionally I'm going to wrap square. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But, but they don't overdo it. It's always context sensitive. It's always, as you said, better than watching it. And while some people love to perpetuate this idea that uh, doing something as a QTE means not doing it yourself, there are sequences in this game and, and others like it that are just like they're not. They can't. They couldn't be recreated through gameplay. Like the systems and the mechanics that the, the gameplay revolves around wouldn't allow for what you're seeing to take place. Like it has to be a cinematic of some kind. Um, and it's just a question of whether or not you want to be involved in that. Um, and in my answer, always skews towards yes. Um, well, Jonesy, it seems then, according to not just you and I, but um, most of the voices around the internet, critics and otherwise, that Spider-Man 2 has been uh, something of a success so far, and um, Insomniac's uh, track record keeps up, um, and their ability to continue to turn out high-quality sequels remains unquestioned. However, there are other studios, developers, publishers out there whose ability to continue to churning out high-quality sequels that either experiment with the formula in interesting ways or mix things up in interesting ways are sometimes found to be lacking. Um, and I don't know how many people know that I'm talking about Ubisoft at this point, but spoiler alert, I'm talking about Ubisoft. Which is why, when I read this report on what could be happening to the future of the Far Cry series, I thought I'd pull it out and get your feelings, Jonesy, because there's some potentially interesting stuff here in terms of how Ubisoft might be seeking to make a slightly different Far Cry game, if you'd like to hear it. Definitely would. I want to see if they can uh, make good on the progression of the Far Cry series. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, again, I, I don't know if you'll consider this a make good or like a, a right-hand turn that was much needed or something in between, but... For anyone wondering, this all comes from uh, Insider Gaming um, and our old pal Tom Henderson, whose track record on Ubisoft stuff is, I mean, it, it's its pretty damn spotless. So um, I'm, I'm inclined, again, uh, rumors, confirmed rumors, whatever you want to call them. I'm inclined to believe that everything we're about to talk about is true up to a certain point. That point being given, point being that we're talking about something that is two to three years away and a lot can change in a lot of time in the games industry. Um, but the game that um, we'll probably just refer to as Far Cry 7 is internally known as Project Blackbird. It's scheduled for release in fall of 2025, but remains to be seen how likely that actually is. It's been developed by Ubisoft Montreal, and will move away from the Dunia engine and over to Snowdrop. Um, and this is where things get a little bit interesting, Jonesy, and I thought this might pique your interest. You ready? Yeah, go. It's understood that the next entry to the series will be a non-linear story that centers around rescuing the player's kidnapped family. It was said the game's plot revolves around a wealthy family that has been kidnapped by a conspiracy group currently called the Sons of Truth. The premise of the campaign is for the player to rescue their entire family within a specific time frame. Currently, the in-game timer stands at 72 hours or 24 hours in real time, but the timer can be paused when the player's e- player enters one of their safe houses. Far Cry 7's non-linear story means that family members do not need to be rescued in order. Some family members can be killed, which has an impact on the story. And to find your family members, uh, the game will introduce a new interrogation mechanic, 
which doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the information from you that you'll need because enemies can sometimes lie, stay quiet, or even escape. But it looks as though they're trying to frame it around this idea of like, hey, let's put a 24-hour real-time clock in the game, have the player's family be kidnapped by a conspiracy group, and have you take a non-linear approach to far-crying your way uh, towards getting your family back together. If they pull it off... Yeah. That, so immediately, of course, my mind goes to 24, right? Jack Bauer, okay, 24... Yeah. If, if they pull it off and you lit and you have like the clock and I can imagine there's you know times when it will get front and center and there'll be a sound effect you know as it's counting down that could be absolutely phenomenal and a way to and to tie that into a Far Cry game completely makes sense because you know Far Cry is all about um, for me anyway is, is how do you do, how do you go about capturing areas how do you go about getting people it's it's big and loud and do you go in guns blazing or do you go in yeah. quiet and stealthy and take out the alarm and then you know move your way in. When you've got an actual real-world timer telling you, oh, no, this is counting down, the, the, yeah, that sounds like it could be so much fun. But here's the question. We were talking earlier about how you've not even finished previous Far Cry games because of your tendency to like want to take the completionist approach, oh. uh, put off main story missions to do side stuff. If this is a game that still has side things, distractions, but there's a clock ticking the whole time, how does you know does that does that fit does that work it might make it much better because i'm i'm going to be i'm going to feel compelled to follow the main story i can imagine that where this could fall to pieces is if this game is f finishable in say 10 12 hours right because the problem they're going to have is they can't make if it's if the clock is 24 hours real time they can't make a 20 hour game because too Agreed. many too many people are not just simply not going to finish it um, exactly yeah. for the reason you've said. So you're going to have to have something maybe like a 15 hour game um, that is going to allow people the time to act to you know realistically most people to finish it. Um, because if you if you get to the point at which you are three hours behind the main story and you've got an hour to go, you can't reload a save. Oh yeah, you're like you're done. <laughs> like yeah. I was going to say, I was imagining a scenario where you looked up, you were playing the game, you looked up a YouTube video of someone completing it, and you realised it took them 10 hours to get from where you are to the end of the game, and you've got eight hours left. Like, you just have to abandon. Sure. Or, well, or do you go, this is my time to shine, and you, <laughs> you try and do it on speed, like, quicker than the YouTuber did it. I No, I think this sounds like a fantastic idea. It... I think it's a, it's really tricky in execution, and especially when it comes to. I oh know, but hold on, maybe maybe I'm getting this wrong because I'm suggesting that obviously you get 24 hour time bubble. We've said, you, sorry, you said family members can die, change the course of the events. So maybe any finish to the game, any end to the game, is the end of the game. So when you get to, let's say, True, don't right. have time to to save your, I guess maybe it's your wife left. Let's say you don't have time to save your wife. The game finishes, and you've saved two kids, the nan, your mother-in-law, Uncle Bob. And then your wife and you know a couple of cousins die, and then you do another yeah. run through and see if you can save more people. Actually, yeah, maybe no, maybe that's different. Different endings based on who's there. Different endings, exactly. Um, almost to the um, anyone who's played Starfield, you know, there'll be a there's a point at which you kind of can see a rundown of how well you've done in the game so far, and it gives you a little like, oh, this is what this is the outcome of what happened. I, I love that. I thought that was fantastic, like a little narrative thing that said, oh, this is what happened to this person because you did this. Um, it almost reminds me a little bit of um, 
an extrapolated version of Army of Two where you didn't kill the tiger and then the tiger goes on to more uh, family. Like yeah. I, I like that narrative, like uh, you know, I don't know what you call it, but where they take the narrative out to the to its extreme and say this is what happened. Um yeah, if they include some of that, I'm all for it. And it gives me reason to play again. It gives me reason not to get distracted with the side quests, as if you said, like I'm to I'm I often do. Yeah. It it's, could it could the execution might be the problem. I suppose. Right. And I guess that's where it's going to be an interesting thing. Where, like, obviously, it's hard to know when we're going to find out more about this. Ubisoft have been uh, pretty sporadic when it comes to game announcements. We, uh, The article I was reading for this pointed out that the, the Division 3 was actually randomly announced in a PR email like a handful of weeks ago. Um, I wonder how many people even kind of properly registered that in their minds that the Division 3 has been announced and like. Like that that's just so when we see any form of this or any semblance of this uh rearing its head and what it looks like when we do it remains to be seen but i guess yeah i feel like it's it's poignant that you didn't touch any of far cry 6 right no um, I, I didn't know which you know again they're like they put a lot of you know time and, and money into um into <laughs> hyping up that game's release like they had um um, wow, damn, that uh, actually did. I was going to be mean about Ubisoft and say that they don't even market games anymore. But actually, Far Cry Six, look, they went like, hard on their marketing. For Gian games. Giancarlo Esposito's face was on was on everything <laughs> yeah. for a long time. It felt like, but then that game kind of came out. It felt like not that many people were actually drawn in by that marketing. Reviews were kind of uh, middling, uh, certainly for you know the high points of the Far Cry series, even if they were many years behind them by that point. And then it felt like yeah. Because I want to say Far Cry Six is even in like the PlayStation, like it's like it's free basically play it for free, yeah. yeah. And I wonder how many people who would are self admitted as like Far Cry fans still haven't even really gone in because they've just got no impetus at the moment to play another Far Cry game. So um, I, I must admit, I looked at it the other day and nearly downloaded it, and the only reason I okay. didn't was because of storage space. But it was one that is well, definitely now on my, uh, it's on my to do list. So it's one that I'm like, okay, once I've done with Spider Man. Once I've finished with um, uh, a little bit extra like Starfield stuff, it's definitely there. It's definitely on my to-do list. It's not that I don't want to play it. Um, Far Cry Five, I had a, I had really good time with Far Cry Five. It, it, it definitely lost me in some of its narrative toward the end, and that like like family biblical like. Which the only thing that worries about this game is is it kind of sounds a little bit more like Far Cry Five. Like it doesn't sound like Far Cry Three. It sounds more like Far Cry Five. And I fell off the story with Far Cry Five quite early on. Um, okay, so that's the only thing that makes me wonder. Uh, I, I I can see that. Yeah, if if yeah, certainly if you didn't gel or vibe with Far Cry Five, then that would be a concern. I feel like Far Cry Five was a little bit more um, well received by fans than like than the direction because Six tried to get it back into that idea of like sort of a a lush or like would be paradise. Um, but you know, strife with you know, you know, civil, uh, you know, uprising and 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 unpleasant leader figures and yep. un very seemingly charismatic but thoroughly unpleasant leaders. Um, but I I, I kind of liked Far Cry 5's um, kind of almost like I, I wanted it to go harder, ironically. But I kind of yeah. liked the idea of this sort of like cultish family that had all these people kind of under a well, what I hoped was a figurative spell, but I think at points became clear that it was more of a literal uh, spell uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, 
Like I didn't love it to the extent that when like some of those ideas came back in um, that uh, New Dawn or whatever it's called, that in between game, uh, like or when um, the the father from Far Cry Five was one of the people who got his own piece of DLC. I think following Far Cry Six, the ones that focused on the villains. Um, I was like, okay, I'd, 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 he's not like a vast or a pagan min. He was just he was okay. Um, but at the same time, like. If they see it as an opportunity to loop back around uh, to, and what, again, when it's described as a conspiracy group called the Sons of Truth, I start licking my lips because there's so much potential material there. I just know that there's a part of me that's worried that they're going to do what they did in Far Cry 5, get a little bit scared about treading on anyone's toes or stepping a little bit too closely to something or ideas or beliefs or groups or systems or individuals that, you know, some people in their player base or targeted player base might even, you know, adhere to or or, or or like or subscribe to or whatever the case may be. And so they they don't pull the trigger on that and they, they kind of take the slightly softer, gentler approach. But I say, fuck it. Like, I'd I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I think they should go harder. Like one of the things that worries, not worries me, but like makes me think they're not going to go hard enough is to even to call it something like the Sons of Truth. That sounds a bit too like wishy-washy like oh these are a weird group you would hear about online i think they should call them like take something out of like every day and make it sound like it could be the i don't, I don't know what that would be like in the you know for the modern age but yeah call it something the proud men <laughs> the proud, just change yeah. just change one word yeah like exactly take something like that take something out of like a current trends but although saying that ubisoft have been burnt with that before haven't they so maybe that's why yeah oh yeah jesus there's uh, there probably is someone at the very top of ubisoft who's like i can see why you want to make this political but don't make this political um yes. set it in a fictional set it and make it a fictional conspiracy group set it in a fictional state make sure there are people of all ethnicity he's on both sides of every argument um and just don't wade into those waters <laughs> but see why will i i don't I don't want them to like pick on one group necessarily. Like I don't think that I don't I'm not I have no like political bent when it comes to games. But I would love it if they picked up things like if if the group the conspiracy group it was like flat earth anti-vax like all of this sort of stuff like you know any any current conspiracy theorists like uh, even stuff that may I mean you know maybe it's too maybe it's too soon. But even like stuff that's going on in the world at the moment, like um, you know, pick up, just go over all of that stuff and just put it all together, and just try and, you know, like the gov, oh, the government, the man, JFK assassination. Like I want, I just want it to be like conspiracy theorists, like because all conspiracy theories, just lump them all together. It doesn't have to be, um, one family drug den, you know, using magic. It can, can just kind of be this all encompassing, um, conspiracy theory thing. I think. Um, because there's been the world is seems to be rammed full of them at the moment. Like you could you could easily do it. Yeah, and you don't even have yeah, to pick one could. political side. Both sides seem to be nuts with conspiracy theories these days. So you could yeah. get hard. There's there's cra crazy everywhere you look. Uh, Twenty twenty three. Some people probably even see it in us. Um, <laughs> Mate, we are. We, of, would, we would shill all day long if we got paid by the state. Uh yeah, probably. Got paid enough. If if the price is right, you know, um, everyone's got a number in mind. Kong, um, Rise of Kong is the best game ever. IGN. 
shouldn't have given uh, again folks we you know we, we patreon.com forward slash super show <laughs> we haven't got a we ship will shill for your product uh tier in there yet but if anyone wants to recommend it's created or set the price then um <laughs> you know we're open to, to topics um jonesy in fact has actually been doing active unpaid shilling work for the past decade now on behalf of cloud imperium games haven't you jonesy i have and i will continue to do so Forevermore. Do you know what I will, I will say? Um, I'm not sure how many people who are around today were there to see it at the time, but the time that you streamed Star Citizen on Twitch, which for me, and I think for many other people at the time, was the first time we just sat down and watched like a couple of hours of like, okay, this is what it means when someone says they are quote-unquote playing Star Citizen in, that would have been 2020, I'm guessing. Um, fascinating to watch. Of particular interest was when I think you bought... I think a food or a drink item and you went into third person to see the animation of your character drinking the can or whatever it was and your head was missing <laughs> um that that, yeah. that bit stands out for me yeah there's many things that stand out for star citizen yeah whether it's like clipping through the side of your ship when you're going to the speed of light and losing it permanently or uh you know getting on a getting on a lift and just getting like stuck in a door and oh yeah your head disappearing yeah Lots of. I don't mean to, to play backseat game dev, Jonesy, but it sounds to me what that game might be missing is just a little bit of polish, um, which actually brings us nicely to uh, the main reason we're talking about Star Citizen again today, and that's because its standalone single-player campaign, known as Squadron 42, if its name rings a bell, you'll find out why shortly, is now, quote-unquote, feature complete, according to Cloud Imperium Games. Um, so if you're wondering why you might have heard of this title, Squadron 42 was originally announced for release in 2014, but has been delayed multiple times. A beta release was scheduled at one point for mid-2020 before that too was delayed. And then later in 2020, Jonesy's old pal Chris Roberts admitted that the game was still a way off from the beta phase. I don't know if they we're now entering a phase that they're calling beta, but we are now obviously over three years on from even that point. And Squadron 42 has reared its head again during this year's CitizenCon, along with a development video. Um, and it is being described as being in the polish phase. Got a quote here, which means extra emphasis on ensuring that things feel fun. Um, I'm not much of an expert when it comes to making video games, but apparently them being fun is of, of some importance to some players. Uh, the studio is working on a number of features, including AI, narrative, and cinematics. And while there was no mention of a release window, Quote, when we have the locked release date, you will be the first to know, Robert said. And then another great quote that uh, I know Jonesy's a big fan of, the polish phase can take some time. Um, so, yeah, nine years past uh, original release date, um, 11 years past announcement date when they actually yeah. started making the thing. And now they've said they've entered polish phase, which can take some time. Um, yeah. Um, I've got. To, well, I was because I, I have to ask. Like, for as much as I like to dunk on you for your experiences with Star Citizen and how you've kind of backed it, both you know, sort of like just it, it, casually, but also at, at times even financially. You know, let's put it all at. All oh yeah, yeah, I have done. Mate, I already you own are, Squadron Forty Two. Well, there, there you go. So you're better positioned than anyone else I know personally to separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to the stuff that comes out of Chris Roberts's mouth. Does any of this move the needle for you at all, or do you like? Do you think we're getting close to something here? Are we getting close to something here? I don't think this suggests to me that it's coming any quicker than it was. Um, okay. 
but one thing that does make a difference, and I do think this is the mo- the important part for me. So, Star Citizen, for me, the entire issue with Star Citizen was feature creep, and to be feature complete suggests that they are no longer adding any more features, and that is the th- one thing they needed to do in order to actually start to get toward a finished video game. Um, yeah, and to, to be fair to them, like I suppose feature creep in a project usually occurs when you try and you know incorporate a load more stuff, and it just grows and grows and grows, and it gets absolutely like a, a behemoth that you can't sort of rein back in. They actually, it was part of their production process when they had their tiers and they had their um, their milestones. They said, if we reach this milestone of funding, we will include this feature. If we reach this next milestone, we will include this next feature. And I think the problem they had was they made so much money that the my if you know if you continue out ad infinitum about the milestones, they were paid they were paid to do feature creep, and that is um, the death knell of any game production for me because it's it's like. You end up like if you think the most elaborate game in the world, it's almost like saying, "Well, we're just going to reinvent the world inside of a video game," which could just end yeah. up taking forever to develop. So the fact that they've they've actually said, "No, no, feature complete. We're starting polish." I think that we will. I I I must admit, a couple of years ago, I got to the point where I thought um, a finished article for Star Citizen was vaporware. I, I was genuinely considering trying to do the research and make a video. You may well remember, Jamie, which was effectively like, is Star Citizen a scam? Because it got to yeah. the point where um, it seemed like their business model was not to produce a video game to release. It seemed like their business model was to maintain funding from people by selling ships um, and in-game items for real money uh, in order to sustain their business and their development um, without a plan of ever re- releasing a real product. And I've got to say that this suggests to me that that's not the case anymore and that actually they will release a real video game. Um, Squadron 42, for people that don't know, is... So Star Citizen has a um, perpetual universe um, with, you know, real... You you don't have, like, real ships in the universe that you can really lose and they cost you real money to buy, which is kind of mad. Squadron 42 is the single-player game, which is a narrative game, which has NPCs and players, you know, stuff to do and things to unlock and, like, a traditional game. Um, and so it was, I suppose it's a good jumping off point, um, which is yeah. one of the reasons I got it. So I got also bought a ship and I bought Squadron 42 at the same time. I think it cost me like 75 quid back in the day. Something well, like I mean, it, it's, it depends what kind of game Squadron 42 ends up being, but if it, it does have 40, 50, 60 pounds worth of value relative to the, you know, what else is happening on the video game market at any given time. Then maybe you've done okay. I don't know what the value of the ship was in it on it on stat on its own. Um, I, so I, I actually got a better ship. So I used to have an Alpha, a Mustang Alpha, um, which was like a one seater little ship, which was very cool, looked very cool. But I, I, I believe I convinced someone at the time on All Time Gaming that for the streaming that we were going to need a better ship. <laughs> I was going to need a better ship, and I didn't mind if they were happy to front the money to upgrade my ship, that it would be a better video. And it was. It was a better video, and it was because I think I there's some problems with the beta at that time. It was very buggy. Um, and so I've got a better ship because of uh, the powers that be all-time gaming. Yeah. Do you remember when we did that for uh, GTA Online when they added the casino to the game? Yes. And we convinced our bosses that we needed, like... 100 quids worth of uh, shark cards each so to have in-game money to do in-game gambling so that we could stream ourselves going to the casino and being high rollers. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
But it's a use. Sorry, I didn't even answer your question. I'll very, very briefly say. So you said, is it fun? Star Citizen is not about being fun. Star Citizen, if it works as intended, and as I think it might do one day, is all about being a phenomenal achievement of sci-fi, like sim, space sim. Like, yeah, persistent real-time, like, space travel and dogfighting yes. and cargo transporting and... Everything people complained that wasn't in Starfield, because if it was in Starfield, it would have been unplayable, they are putting in Star Citizen. But, yeah. it's, but it's because you're not playing it to get through a game in 30 hours. You're playing it because you're going to take 20 hours of real-time to travel from one point to another and, like... In fun, you know, and it's everything simulated and it's phenomenal. And you can you can travel somewhere and get out of your ship and float around against someone else's ship when they don't realize and steal it. You can work on another person's ship because you haven't got one of your own as like a gunner. You could like you can live out the life of a jobbing um, turret operator on a big frigate like that, which is no one wants that on an Xbox because it would be boring. Yes. But thousands of people want it on a PC when they can sit and live out that mini fantasy of like hopping into their job after their job yeah but it must be noted that that fantasy still remains a fantasy for as long as the focus on this sort of update and the thing that is now being described as feature complete is squadron 42 <laughs> right not. which is a standalone single player experience that um cloud yes. imperium uh are calling a cinematic story driven campaign and i do just want to say because this kind of blows my mind every time i'm reminded of it the purported cast of squadron 42 assuming they all can make the cut and that like nothing weird <laughs> has changed in the decades since they filmed their roles includes gary oldman mark hamill jillian anderson mark strong liam cunningham andy circus john reese davis jack houston eleanor tomlinson harry treadway uh, sophie Wu, damson idris eric wareheim of Tim and Eric fame, Rona Mitra, Henry Cavill, and Ben Mendelsohn, um, which in terms of just Hollywood level talent is probably the most significant cast ever assembled for a single video game. I'm trying to think of something that rivals it and there's not much that comes to mind. Like COD manage a one or two big names. Like That's the thing, yeah. That's about it. Like I, I yeah, no, this, this was, I remember back in the day when they originally said, um, I think it was Gary Oldman and, uh, Mark Hamill were going to be in it, and I was blown away. I was like, "Wow, this is phenomenal! This is phenomenal!" Like, um, Squadron Forty Two is going to be amazing. And then, yeah, they just added to that list over time, and it's they, they had so much money though. It's not that surprising, you know. Get some decent faces in there. Get some decent voice actors. They're very lucky. I'm in the amount of time it's been that they haven't had any of the major cast uh, cancelled for like any really bad reasons. Because I imagine Actually, that would yeah. That would be pretty bad for a game of this scope if you suddenly had to take out like a main character, or maybe maybe not. Maybe you just like dub them and and change their change the face a little bit. Yeah. It's fine, but yeah. There's even people in there where it's like I don't know exactly when they like I don't know when Ben Mendelsohn filmed his roles, uh, whatever his role in Squadron Forty Two is, but I bet he wasn't a part of both the Star Wars universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe when he did. Um, so there's a lot of people whose careers have you know changed drastically for the better you know in the time um since yeah. this happened um so that's a, i guess that's just another benefit of uh i it'll, it'll be so nice so nice if they if it cut if they do a release date the game comes out and it's phenomenal like that is what i really hope for them that will 
not not so that star citizen fans can rub it in people's faces not so that people that go to citizen con every year or you know watch it online can say ha i told you like i think we're so far past that like it was it's yeah it's been ridiculous to this point how long it's taken to produce like yeah if you try to i told you so me over star citizen i just laugh and go all right mate whatever helps you sleep at night about your the 200 pound ships you bought like chris roberts has got he's such a weird thing now that he's in this video that they put on YouTube about, you know, the um, and 25 minutes of gameplay um, from, I think it's all from Squadron 42. He actually says uh, that they're, they're making, they're going to make, um, it's going to be this generation's Wing 42. No, sorry, Wing Commander. Um, Wing Commander, yeah. But they're now so, um, in time, they're so temporally separated from Wing, when Wing Commander came out, that this is going to become, it comes completely, becomes completely irrelevant like people are going to go what are you talking about like wing commander which is a game obviously chris roberts worked on donkeys years ago now it's it becomes a bizarre comparison almost because it's just taken this game so long to be made and yeah. maybe that's maybe that's it maybe that's good maybe we should all be grateful that it's mean, forced to come out there's no publishers I'm, making them do it quicker and all this but still you know i think there are more disaster stories out of games with obscenely long development times than there are success stories which isn't me trying to, you know, start yep. digging the grave for Squadron 42 too early, but it, it's... Like, you also got to think about, like, well, as I'm sure their primary targeted platform has always been PCs, you've also even got to think about, like, generational shifts are not great for development. Like, right. engine shifts are not great for long-term development. Like, when a game is in development for, like, 11, 12 years, a lot happens in that time, and keeping up, even just the standard, like, the expectations of players shifts a little bit more year on year on year and every time you slip that's another degree of like player expectations that you have to keep up with so it's yeah. going to be a tough one for them but if if the end result of all of this and all the jokes and all the laughter is that a solid story driven standalone campaign with that cast comes out and is at least halfway good then is, then that'd be great i'd i'd, I'd place a, a good squadron 42 game why why not yeah um and they, so, they could use the cash injection for the people that haven't yet bought it. I would imagine. I, so, I don't think they. I don't think they do need the cash. In fact, I think Squadron Forty Two should probably be free. That seems the most uh, fair way of going. No, I'm joking. If I had to do the most annoying thing in the world and ask you for a predicted release date and Metacritic score for Squadron Forty Two, or release year and and Metacritic uh, score for Squadron Forty Two, I'm gonna say twenty. Oh, I'm tempted to say 2026. Okay. Um, maybe beginning of 2026. I think it's going to be like two, two and a half years. Um, yeah, that, that, that sounds like a polished phrase to me. Um, which is a long answer. I know that is a ridiculously long time, <laughs> but but I have to. They said it can take a long time when you've got such. A, yeah. You've got to imagine it's like such a big game because it has the, it has the mechanics and it has the. Um, you know the the gubbins of of Star Citizen, the persistent universe. Like it's set in that. It's not like it's a different thing. It's still set in all of that. So there's a hell of a lot to make sure is working. There's a hell of a lot of systems of RPG systems of physics systems to get right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm also not hopeful that it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah, let's say 2026, beginning of. Okay, I could wait for that long. I'm hoping I'll still be around by then. No guarantees in this life, but um, that sounds. But that's ridiculous, close. isn't it? Because that's not even Star Citizen in the Pacific no, universe. That's just Squadron Forty Two. 
but, but at the same time, you're holding them accountable for the standards they have set for themselves over the past 11 years, which is that things seem to take them a lot longer than it takes anyone else. And, you know, whilst, yes, the goalposts have moved a lot, you know, for most of what Cloud Imperium games have been working on and touching, Squadron 42 isn't one of those things. Yes, it's been caught in the crossfire, but Squadron 42 has always been a, you know, a standalone product. That, and yes, the, you can feature creep on that front massively, and a lot of games do, but not to the same degree as I'm sure Star Citizen proper has experienced. Um, you've got to imagine this is more of a case of, uh, you know, even as CRG have grown over the years, large number of employees, offices around the world, they're still going to have to be a, a, you know, a priority chain in terms of what they're working on. And I, it's not hard to imagine a world where the priority became Star Citizen over Squadron 42. Um and until at such a time where it made sense to kind of maybe get a bigger subunit together to say, hey, go back to Squadron 42, pick up where we left off and like make it something appropriate for modern audiences. Um, the only problem was they had that conversation in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Can I can I make a another prediction which is gonna Of course. Which I hope doesn't come true. Um I think that not long after they actually if they do manage to get it by twenty twenty six, it will be like the end of that year when you see another game come out which does everything Star Citizen can do, should do, was promised to do, and it was made in like three years by a company utilising generative AI. That, that Oh, I wish I hadn't said yes. Like, I, there's just... There, what's the, there's a thing about like... um uh, in like space travel where the idea is if you launched a rocket ship now to Alpha Centauri uh, with the best technology we have today... It would be irrelevant because by the time they were a third of the way there, they would be overtaken by a faster ship that we'd have made a hundred years later. But the technology is so much better. But then there would be no point in launching that ship because a third of the way into that one's journey, it would be overtaken by a better ship. And I, I worry that Star Citizen's development has been so long that they're just going to get leapfrogged by someone else, you know, in a in a much quicker fashion. I mean. Again, that is what tends to happen with games with extremely long development cycles. Um, like they, they they can't keep up um, because the goal the, the video game goalposts are moving all the time. Like we go back to the, you know the top of the podcast and talking about Insomniac Games and like maybe one of the reasons they seem to be able to always be at the cutting edge, you know, technically speaking, is because they actually have such a tight schedule and such quick turnarounds. And maybe when you're releasing a game every year or two, yeah, like, yeah, you are always on the cutting edge. And it's the second you fall behind and you're chasing, you know, the current sort of standards, you know, the, you know, the, the, the things become a lot trickier. Um, we'll I'd find say, out in 2026. I'd say what I need to do now is I need to reinstall Star Citizen and see where they're at, where they're at at the moment. Because you, you can play it now. You can play far. the... You can play the um, Persistent Universe in, I don't know what they're in Alpha or Pre-Alpha or something, uh, and you can jump into it. But like every I, every time I did that before, like every year, I'd be like, oh, hop back in. It was be- it was basically the same, <laughs> which was kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, and then occasionally they would do like a big update and it would and it would be very different. But generally it was it was pretty much the same year to year. I'm, so. I'm, I'm going to suggest or at least remind you that there are an, a not insignificant number of games being released <laughs> every single week at the moment. Um, that all deserve your time and attention, and, and uh, most perhaps most importantly, your money a lot more than anything that Cloud Imperium games have released Very thus fair. far. Um, but at the same time, uh, if, you, if if we're sat here next week and you've fallen off Spider Man because Star Citizen re-entered your life, that would actually be quite entertaining for the sake of a podcast <laughs> because I would get quite angry. So, 
it's, it's it shouldn't be that long that a game's in like uh, early access or whatever you want to call it that I so I bought a hotas that I now don't know where it is. Literally, it's I don't even know if it's in my house anymore. It's somewhere. It's probably packed in a box Damn. in a cupboard. Did you not bust it out for um, flight sim? Yeah, but that was two years ago. Three, I think. Three years ago. Well, there you go. So now I don't know. I don't even know. Actually, that I might be pulling that out of my ass. I've got no idea when Microsoft Flight Simulator came out. Um, but yeah, it's, so I, I'll have to find that again uh, to get to give a star I mean, blast. I feel like they're not the kind of thing that that like that just disappear. You'll find it. You'll, oh no, you'll you be in a box. You need to remember where to look. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well. Uh, We've got a couple of really interesting story threads here. Will Jonesy uh, reinstall Star Citizen? <laughs> will he find us Otas? Will either of us um, finish Spider-Man or will Jonesy get too distracted by the promise of delivering cargo uh, to do so? All these questions and more will have to be answered in next week's episode of the Super Show podcast. Uh, Jonesy, thank you so much for joining me as we uh, we recapped the past week in gaming. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much for uh, doing a wonderful job hosting. Thank you to everyone who was uh, chatting along while we were um, while we were going in stream on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And a reminder: if you want to join those fine folks who have been watching the live stream and and chatting alongside with us, then you can do so by heading over to our YouTube channel. We're live uh, every Monday evening UK time. And as always, if you miss that, you can do what you might be doing now: watching the video on YouTube after the fact or listening on podcasting platforms. And I will remind you once again that link for our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash super show. A huge thank you once again to everyone who has already gone over there and pledged. And with that, we will say thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you back here, same place, same time next week. Until then, I hope your life is great. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs>